Well, my car is totaled and I'm blessed. Those were the same words that came out of the same person on the same day and it wasn't me. Uh, I got this from uh, uh, one of the gentlemen in our men's group. He texted the men's group and said, I got into a car accident, my car is totaled. And so all of us start calling. This is why it's important to be in a group. Because when, when life crashes, when life has difficult situations, you want people to reach out to. So he reached out to us. We all called him and texted him. And I called him. And I said, hey, how's it going? I know your wife is out of town. Um, you know, are the kids okay? Everything all right? And he said, yeah, yeah. Um, I said, hey, you know, whatever you need. Like if you need a ride somewhere, you need to borrow a car, whatever. We can, we can get it all figured out. He goes, okay. About an hour passes. He calls me. He says, I'm going to need to take you up on that offer. I said, yeah, no problem. I said, can you come pick me up? So I go uh, near downtown to go pick him up, and I see him walking as if nothing happened. Now, when he sent the pictures to our group meet, all of us were like, how are you texting right now? Like, this doesn't look good. He was like, yeah, I got into an accident. I was like, no, there's no more car left. Uh, he was walking um, near the base with a huge backpack on that could carry another person. Uh, I should have prefaced, he's in the military, so he was like, yeah, I got into a car accident. I'm all right, we're good, you know, on to the next thing. And so I saw him, I said, hey, Joe, uh, who's here today, Joe, you are awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that you're well. Uh, but he gets into the car, and I was like, Joe, I'm right over here. He gets in the car, he goes, man, I'm blessed. And I was like, um, you got in a car accident, right? And he goes, he goes, yeah, but you know, the kids weren't in the car, it was okay. He goes, it gets crazy. He goes, I actually was hit by a truck that hit someone else in front of us who actually is part of my command. So I was able to talk with them. I was like, wow, that's wild. He's like, and then my car got towed to the Cho truck yard, but it wasn't even open, so I had nowhere to sit. So I figured I'd walk near the next, the Navy Exchange. He walks over there. He sees someone passing him who he said obviously looked like they've been living on the streets and they're pushing a cart filled with scrap metal to turn for money. And he said, Marcus, I don't know what it was, but something within me told me to pull out my wallet and give him everything I had. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, Joe, you don't have a car. <laughs> you might need that money. Um, and just says, yeah, Marcus, I, I, I don't know. So I did. And I was like, Joe, and I, so I just got, started getting excited. And I'm supposed to be driving. And I'm like, Joe, this is awesome. Sorry, I got to, Joe, this is awesome. And I got to focus on the road. Uh, I was telling Joe how excited I was. I was like, Joe, when you get closer to God, you start to live like him and act like him. That's what's happening. He goes, it even gets wilder, Marcus. And I was like, I don't know if I can contain myself, you know. And he goes, well, actually, I gave him the money. And then I saw him as I came out. And, and he had, um, you know, a soda with him and some food. And I was able to... He's able to say, just thank you so much for giving me that money. I was able to get some food and stuff. Um, and then he said, actually, what you gave me was more than all of the scrap metal. He goes, you gave me more than I ever thought I would even get today. Um, and you gave me all, you gave, I had this. And I was like, Joe, this is so exciting. This is so cool. This is like God in action. This is what's happening. And he goes, it even gets more wild. I was like, oh my goodness. I'm going to have to pull over. So then he says, I don't know if this was God or not. But he bought a lotto scratcher and won $100. I said, a win is a win. You know, that's, we'll take that as a win. Joe, I'll take it. Uh, but Joe was practicing something that I think can be a little difficult for us at times. You see, for, for many of us, we have no problem with trusting the Lord our God and believing in him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving other people as, as ourselves. But part of that love, an area of our lives that is difficult to give over to God is just our trust. Because we feel like we can't always trust him. But Joe was able, to, in the midst of his need, to give to someone in need because he said, that's what God was telling me to do. And that's what God would do for me. And Joe was able to practice something that I think is difficult for us. In fact, this is how Paul actually begins to close his letter to the Philippian church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me? Philippians chapter 4. He starts out 
in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we're, we're past the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll get to Acts, first century church, Romans, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And that's how I feel about you. Every time I think about you, I'm just so thankful. I thank God because you are an amazing, amazing people, amazing families, amazing church. And God is doing amazing things here. And Paul says, in the end, he says, I just want to thank you for your partnership once again. Because they've been there with him through it all. And as we read this passage, we're going to talk about something that many of us view as a bad word. Uh, you hear it and you're like, ooh, I don't know if we should talk about that. Especially not in church. Uh, but I want to pray before we go any further because there's something within us that stops us from experiencing what Paul is about to share with us. Um, and I believe God wants us to experience that today. So as we pray, my prayer is that we would totally reset, even right now, just to hear from God. So let's pray. God, we come to you ready to hear from you. God, we, we don't just want to hear words. We don't want to hear Marcus. We want to hear you and your voice. So Lord, speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Put aside all distractions in our lives and in our minds. Let us focus on you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Verse 10. He says it again to the Philippian church. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Remember, there's the ambition. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, the qualifier, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, but I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, Paul's about to share with us what he calls the secret or the mystery of contentment. That's something that Joe was practicing in the middle, in the right aftermath of an accident. He's able to say, Marcus, I have what I need. My prayer is that would be true for us. That's what Paul is about to show us, the secret to contentment. And as he's writing this, the people who would have read this would have immediately thought of the Stoics who would talk about contentment. And when the Stoics at the times were talking about contentment, they were actually talking about a self-sufficiency, that I have everything I need within myself. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need anyone else. I don't need a life group. I do this by myself. But Paul says, now I'll tell you the secret of contentment. You'll be amazed at what it is. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. He essentially says, I can detach myself from the non-essential things of life and the essential things of life to attach myself to the eternal. And that's my prayer for today. And we're about to read a verse that many of us have heard that we have taken out of context and my prayer is we don't take it out of context because this is the context of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We say this before like a baseball game or like Padres, I can do all things. No, they can't because they lost again, right? Like, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He is giving it to me first. And when I look at my life and the things that I believe that I need and the things that I want, I believe regardless of what I have, I'm reminded of who has me. Therefore, I can do anything. That is a place of contentment that I want us to find today. Verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. And then he goes on to just tell the Philippians how awesome they are. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, Macedonia was where the Philippian church was. He says, I left Macedonia and not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. No other church supported what God was doing except for you. And there's that bad word for us. Giving. 
has to do with money and finances. God, you can have everything in my life, but don't touch my bank account. God, that's mine. He goes, really? (laughs) Okay. He says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And this is my prayer as we talk today. Verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts, because I am not desiring your gifts. What I desire is more be credited to your account. He's saying, there is something heavenly that I want you to receive and I don't want you to miss. And for many of us, when it comes to this topic, we're like, well, we don't, we shouldn't have to talk about that. If we're going to grow and become more and more like Christ, we need to have conversations that cause us to look more and more like Christ. Just as you would teach your kids how to drive before you gave them the keys to the car, God says, when it comes to how you live, the way we live is through this idea of giving and generosity. Verse 18, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. Then he said, here's, I want you to know what your giving is. It's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs. I used to pray that when I first gave my life to Jesus. The more I studied Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, you start to realize that word meet is not just give you enough, but it's to fulfill and complete the needs in your life so that there's even leftover. My God will meet all of your needs. Well, does he really do that? And I know some of us are like, I don't know if he really, that's what the Bible says. Maybe some of my once I've put in the file of needs and God says, oh, Marcus, I didn't say that I get you that 71 Ford F100 yet. <laughs> I said yet, by the way. Okay, needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, many of us, we, we look at God's word and we love everything in there, but when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our bank account, we're like, we shouldn't have to talk about that. Well, we love the idea of of faith, which is in the Bible 270 times. We love the idea of prayer, which is in the Bible 550 times. We love the idea of love, which we see 700 times. But when it comes to this word, when it has to do with giving or money, we see it over 2,000 times in Scripture. In fact, nearly half of the parables of Jesus have to do with our finances. So if you don't like the financial conversation at church, you wouldn't like the Sermon on the Mount. You don't like much of the teaching of Jesus. In fact, one out of every 10 verses in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have to do with money. So either God is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. When I talk to people about giving, people who who give, people who are generous, they talk about how fun it is, how exciting, and how joyful it is to give and to help people. And then you have this church, who is sharing out of their deep need, For many of us, generosity is just a difficult, difficult topic. So today, I want to see how we can reset our mindset on generosity. And I know as we have this conversation, you're thinking, well, you know, I know it it was good for Paul and the message went out, but you know, why do we need to talk about it today? And I really don't like to. Um, I go to the doctors a lot. I have have a lot of uh, different things going on. I have like intestinal issues and stomach issues. Um, And so the doctors will kind of push on your stomach to see what hurts. And I'll say, oh, that hurts. i say, how about here? That hurts. How much on a scale of one to 10? Which is the worst question ever, because I'm like, it hurts. 
more than zero, right? I shouldn't hurt, and I am. Uh, so I tell them, and they say, it shouldn't hurt that much. That's how it is with this conversation about generosity. It shouldn't hurt that much. It is exciting. I love it because for many of us, you are a generous church. You are. It's amazing to see what is happening right here in our backyard. The lives that are being changed. Student ministry and kids ministry and life groups and worship ministry and online. I mean, it's amazing to see what is happening. How we're outreaching to our community. It's, it's unreal to see. But for many of us, when we talk about generosity, you're like, I really want to strive and I have a desire to be generous. But have you seen the economy and inflation? Yes, I have. Marcus, if I had a better paying job, then I could, then I could maybe tithe, which is 10% of our income. Then I could do that. If I had a better paying job. But the problem is we get into the cycle where we make more so we can spend more just to make more again. We say, Marcus, if I had, if I had a higher bank, bank balance, if I had a higher balance in my bank account, or Marcus, if I just had a balance in my bank account, maybe then. You say, Marcus, you don't understand the amount of debt. I made some bad decisions. I made some decisions I had to make. You don't know the amount of debt that I'm under. Once I get out of this, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start to give. My prayer is that as we look to God's word, we would find certainty in him, not in our finances. That we would trust him, as Joe did, pulling out the wallet in the midst of need. That we would understand that this idea of generosity has the power to transform my mindset and transform my heart. All right, think about generosity, where it starts first. First from God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He is so generous in the fact that he would give his son to die a gruesome, painful death on a cross so that you and I could have life. The generosity of God should respond, I should respond in a way that I am generous. That's why Paul even says, early in your acquaintance with the gospel, you were giving. Just think about the Philippian church. They're living this life in a Roman colony where finances are everything. Where the more jewelry you have, the better dress that you were, much like today. Better dress that you were, the more serious people took you, the bigger your house, bigger the, the group of people around you. Right? They had all of this and they were thinking this way. But once they received the gospel, they said, it doesn't matter what we have, it's who has us. And great grace generates great generosity. And they couldn't help it because their lives were changed forever, just like you and me. Our lives are changed forever. And they said, the world has to know. Because so many of us have been living under these shackles and these shameful thoughts and these lies that the world will tell us. And they, the Philippian church said, everyone has to know this. It's, the truth is that they, the Philippians, were rich in God. And in poverty of possessions. But they gave out of their richness in God. But those who had a wealth of possessions refused to experience the gift of grace. They're willing to go and tell and give whatever it costs. In fact, Paul brags on the Philippian church in the book of 2 Corinthians. He just starts talking to them and saying, you know, they were doing so amazing. No one else from Macedonia was giving anything to the gospel so the gospel could go out. And can I tell you, it costs money for the gospel to go out. We have church watching online. They're able to watch online because, of, because you give. There's permits, there's licenses, there's people that work behind the scenes to ensure that all of this can happen. And the gospel is going out to people who are watching online. I think of the Doyle family. Jessica, recently just out of the hospital. Her and Brock and their miracle baby and pregnant with another. God is so good. And you're watching online because you give. 
The gospel wanted to go out. But there was a cost. And Paul tells the Corinthians, he said, there was only one church. Philippian church, Macedonia. They were the ones doing it. And so it's so Corinthians, you have all of this money. In fact, you love God and you excel in everything. Faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and the love that we've kindled in you. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. Like the Philippians. Like Newbrick. Excel in this grace of giving. That's when we get to be like God. Uh, Brian and Sammy are kids pastors. They have a son named Phoenix who I love because Phoenix tells you like it is. He doesn't hold any punches. He will just tell you. He'll walk up to me and say, Marcus, why are you wearing that? I don't like it. Okay, thanks. I feel terrible about myself, you know. Uh, But Phoenix was having a conversation with Sammy um, because he got to spend some time with Miss Jamie. Miss Jamie is an amazing, uh, generous person. She And when I talk about generosity, I'm not only talking about our treasure, our finances. We call it the four T's here at Newbrick. Our time, our talents, our treasure, and our testimony. Um, Miss Jamie is so generous in all areas. Um, And with her time, she serves for everything. Um, She ensures that there's toys for the Bible books. She she just is so generous. And she was hanging out with Phoenix. And she was like, oh, I want to get him like a new bat or something. And, you know, because he's really into baseball right now. And Brian and Sammy were having a conversation with Phoenix, and Sammy goes, you know, Miss Jamie's kind of like your grandma. She's like your grandma. And Phoenix said, no, she's not like my grandma. She's like God because she's always giving. That's it. Like, let us excel in the grace of giving so the next generation would say, if I could be like that. And some of us are waiting for some type of trigger for us to be generous. Generosity is not a trigger. The trigger was the grace we received in salvation, that God would forgive someone like me. The symptom is that I am just generous because God was generous to me. me. Chip Ingram says it this way, as thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. If you've experienced the grace of God, the world has to know. Let me excel in the grace of giving so that everyone would know. And you're thinking, okay, if we're talking about finances or my time or or talents or testimony, like why do I need to give anything to God? Well, here's the best part. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't. Scripture says that, he says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills and I own the hills too. Psalm 50, he says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you because I own the earth and all that is in it. He's like, I'll just eat one of your cows because they're mine. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. Right? Because generosity is not something that God wants from us. It's something that he wants for us. Like there's beautiful benefits to generosity. Um, we're going to talk about the benefits, but I have to call out the enemy first. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Let me have more and more and more and more. Keeping up with the Joneses. The Philippian church is keeping up with the Romans. Let me just have more. And God says, I am the one who provides. Trust me. There's so many benefits if we're generous. Generous, Generosity is this intimacy, the beginning of intimacy with God. Because when you're intimate with God, you become more and more like him. And the world gets to know who you are. They get to see how generous you are. I believe one of the greatest benefits of generosity is when we breathe our last and we're walking in the halls of heaven, I believe there will be people that walk up and say, hey, Nora and Adam, you don't know me, 
But you know, in the midst of difficult seasons, you gave. You know, I'm from a, a community in Africa um, who didn't have water. And I actually know of you because there's a missionary in San Diego who's at San Diego State telling people about Jesus. And they came to Newbrick one day. And they told me that you were helping fund that campus club at San Diego State, but you were also funding things that are happening all around the world. And you know, where I'm at in Africa, there's no clean water. And our kids are dying every single day. But you excelled in giving. You're in heaven and everything is amazing. And they're saying, you don't know me, but that water saved my life because it came with the gospel. My family knows Jesus now. And there's going to be future generations because you didn't only give us the access to clean water by digging wells and giving us a filter, but you also taught us how to clean the filters and how to do this for many other villages around us. So now there's 10,000 people who know Jesus because you gave. What a benefit of generosity. Imagine walking around heaven and someone saying, hey, you don't know me, but if it weren't for you, I wouldn't know Jesus. I wouldn't be here. I believe as we walk the halls of heaven, we will see people who we have touched the lives while we're here on earth. And Paul, in this idea of generosity, he says, it's not about how much you give. It's the heart behind the gift. And the problem for many of us is, as I said, that the enemy of generosity is, is when the baskets come by or newbreak.church slash gives comes, you said, well, I've made more money, which I've made more expenses, so I'll give what I can. Uh, the word tithe literally means a tenth, a tenth of your income. So you can't give a 2.5% tithe. It doesn't make sense. Um, we give 10%. I've heard people say that some of us are tipping God and not tithing God, but I, I don't think that's true. Because if you're the church that I know you are, you're not a 10% tipper when you go out to a sit-down restaurant. My prayer is you would not be. My prayer is when they see a new breaker come down into a restaurant, they see you at Chili's, and they're like, there's 30% at least of some generous people. We tip people better than we tithe. Maybe there's something in our generosity that we need to realize that this is not God saying, give me money. He's saying, help me help you steward what is mine in the first place. Paul talking about the Philippians, he says, remember when it comes to sowing this gift, uh, whoever sows sparingly, like I'll just give a little bit, I mean, 25 cents here. Not because you can't give more, but because you won't. Since you're going to reap sparingly, but if you sow generously, watch what God will do. I grew up uh, uh, here in California, and I lived in many different places, and uh, one of the places I lived was the Central Valley, Madera, and Fresno area, and there's a lot of farmers, and, and there's dairy farmers, and there's almonds, and pomegranates, and corn, and what's amazing is before harvest, there is another season that is the planting season, and what they will do is they'll take the plants, not always physically with, with their hands, but many times with machinery, and they will put the seed in the ground. It is literally a faith investment of the harvest to come. Can I tell you, that new break is good ground, good soil. And you may have been to different churches and different things when you've had someone talk, have this conversation and you said, 
well, you're just asking for our money so you can get a different car, or you can, can I tell you that we strive and continue to be a generous church. This is not the church that you give to, and you'll see me start to dress different and look differently and have a bigger house. Can I tell you, we're so generous that, that we believe lives need to be changed here locally and globally, that many of us on staff, all of us on staff, have specifically said, I don't, I'm not looking for a raise, I'm not looking for a bonus, I'm not looking for anything. We will continue to be generous. We will continue to give away, because that's the church that God is calling us to be. We are not going to be flashy. We are not going to walk around in our BMWs and, and say, hey, look, look, look what God provided. What we're going to say is, God, let me be a good steward. And if I get a BMW one day, let's go, right? But I am not saying that it comes when someone gives me money. Can I tell you at this church, the pastors don't touch the money. Literally. We like to say, don't touch the gold or the glory. The glory belongs to God and so does the gold. So if you say, hey Marcus, I have a check, where can I put it? I go like this. Um, you can put it in one of the boxes over there or when the giving comes around. We don't touch it. We have an accounting team that goes through it to ensure every single penny goes where it needs to go. We invite people to look at all of our finances. We do a personal audit, and then we do an audit as we're asked for our taxes to ensure everything is perfect. Um, we welcome all of that. And you hear more, you'll hear more and more about us sharing where we are at financially because it, it's not to make us look better. It's to change the world. That's what it's about. So when you put that seed into the ground by faith, Lord, I'm going to see a harvest of this. And you will. I promise you. We're already seeing it. As you heard, the campus clubs, we have one already at Canyon Hills. We have another one at DeBertola. We're working on FARB. At the elementary schools, we're able to walk onto the campuses. You're like, well, I don't like that you have to bring the pizza and bring Jesus. If that's what brings them, Jesus fed 5,000 and told them about himself. Amen. We'll do a pizza. Pizza used to be cheap. It's not cheap anymore. <laughs> five, five dollar Little Caesars? I don't know what they're doing. It's not five bucks anymore. Man, if... I want to reap generously that lives are getting changed. If I'm putting the seed in the ground, I want to see the harvest. And if you're ever wondering where that seed is going and what is happening, I would love to talk with you. Our pastoral staff would love to talk with you and tell you the amount of stories. I don't have enough time to go through all of the stories. That's why Paul says, you're going to reap generously. So, so within everything that you're feeling, uh, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, you're under compulsion. I'm not here to pressure you. But what it will say is God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is the word hilarion. It's literally where we get the word hilarious. Like, I want people to laugh when they hear about how generous you are. What church you go to? You go to New Break? <laughs> My gosh! You guys, you guys literally went into the local schools and said, what do you guys need? And they said, oh, we need to just change some of these rooms and we don't have furniture and we don't have desks. And you guys fully funded it and painted everything. It was amazing. You guys had like 300 hours at our local schools of service just last year. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's, that would be my prayer. I want people to be like, wait, you go to New Break? Wait, you go to the church that partners with the San Diego Rescue Mission, so, so as we have this housing crisis and this housing shortage, you're ensuring that there are people who have a shower, a place to shower and meals to eat every single day, and it costs, it costs a lot of money. You're willing to do it? Yeah, yeah we do it. <laughs> Hilarious giving. I think when the giving, giving comes around and we have the baskets coming and the New Break Church slash give, we should just be laughing. You should just hear a laughing roar like, oh my gosh, I don't know how, but he said, here we go. 
That's my prayer. God loves this kind of giver because when you do, your source is from God. And your joy is from him as well. And when I give, I'm looking more and more like Jesus. We have the ability to give because he gave first. Everything we have belongs to God. And it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And if a heart for generosity is transforming a community, you'll be amazed at what God can do. I talked to Pastor Brian about a, a family who came in and they said, I just want to raise my kids in the Lord. We've been away from church and we don't know, you know what we can do, but, but how, how can you help? And he said, well, we see your kids for one hour out of the 168 hours in a week. So there's 167 hours that I want to pastor you as a family for. So we give them Right Now Media, which is a resource paid for by all of our giving, all of our tithing. He's saying, well, I know we do stuff all around the world. What about right here? We're changing lives. Uh, Bibles and devotionals, any type of resource. We have people right now that are receiving counseling and therapy that we completely pay for. That's transforming communities. I heard another person who called, called Bev and called the church and said, hey, you know, something is going on in my community. And I can just tell there's like a spiritual warfare about it. And there's a lot of like pain and difficulty. And I'm not sure what's going on. But, but I think I want to start a life group. And, and the people there aren't Christian. What can I do? And Bev said, here's all the resources, anything you need. You let us know. We will be there. If you want food there, we'll provide food there. That's through your generosity. We can't do this alone. Imagine what we could do if all of us jumped in and dove in and said, you know what, we want to be known as a generous church. As I said, people watching online, you see our worship team up here being generous with their time and their talents and their treasures. And you're looking up on the platform, you're like, I bet you they don't need anyone else. Yes, we do. You play drums and you're like, I'm kind of rusty. Nate will help you out. I just said it. I don't know. He will, you know. <laughs> but you play an instrument. You, you can sing. We need your help. You want to serve in the tech booth? We need your help. Why? Because your gen generous generosity with your time will transform lives. Because people will come in and think, someone prepared for me. Whether it's coffee, student ministry, kids ministry. Be generous. And watch what happens as our communities are transformed. Pastor Brooks alluded to it next week. We're going to be talking about how God cares about kids. Um, I know you don't hear that on the news, but he does. And I believe God has wired us specifically as a church to do something about it. Whether it's campus clubs, whether it's ensuring that the education system is supplied in a manner to ensure that the schooling and the teaching is accurate. We're here to help with that. Think of Reuben and Dan, who are part of uh, Brooks' men's group, which is paid for through all of our giving. The resources, the discipleship, they're receiving discipleship and learning. And the best thing about Dan and Reuben is, is they're just willing to share everything that they're learning, like many of us. Dan and Reuben were, were in the group, and, and they left to go to Mount Soledad one day just to go walk around. And they saw a lady who was obviously injured. They come to find out she was a vet, and she uh, was injured in Iraq. She had a service dog. And she starts to tell them that she doesn't believe in God and that um, she has a different faith. And they say, okay. And they start to talk and they said, something said we should pray for her. So they asked, can we pray for you? And they did. Now, you don't know Dan and Reuben's story and it's their story to tell. But let me tell you, neither of them would think six months ago that they would walk up to a stranger and say, can I pray for you? Life change like that happens because of your generosity. It doesn't only transform our community, it also rewrites my legacy. I want us to live as we want to be remembered. 
My prayer is that we would be remembered in such a way that we are such a generous church, hilariously giving church, uh, that people would know, there's one thing I know about that church is they love people. And the way they show their love is sacrifice. Because you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And that church practices that. I want us to be known for our kindness, not just our success. I think of one of the extremely successful families that goes to the church here. Who they've worked in real estate and did some great things and uh, previous jobs that they've had. Um, had multiple properties, over 20 properties at a time. Um, sold all of the properties, set up a fund to give money away. Not to live off, but to give away. That's actually one of our values here at Newbreak, give it away. And we do. All of our sermons that we all spend many hours to write and work together, we give it away to our Newbreak Network churches at any time they want it. Hey, you have life group curriculum? You can have it. Anything. We give it away. This family has this fund to give money away. And they saw a need. Uh, houses that needed to be built. Brand new homes that needed to be built for foster families so that they could have a place to stay. And this family did not say, we'll help, we'll help a little bit. They said, uh, put us down to build two houses from scratch and put a ton of that money towards it. My prayer is we be known as those kind of people. That's hilarious giving. Well, I mean, do you know how expensive houses are right now? Yep. Put us down for two. You want to do one? Nope, put us down for two. They flew themselves out to go and see it and to walk around and see the work that is being done. They were just overjoyed that they got to be a part of that. My prayers, we would be known as those kind of people. And if you're wondering, well, you know, when it comes to my finances, how do, I, how do I ensure that I have the finances available to do something like that? Well, Jesus gives us insider trading. He does. Get ready. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he gives us insider trading. And I mean, if there was... Any, any way for us to know a, a trade was about to happen or there was a stock that was like going to fail eventually but there was one that was never going to fail and it was backed by the FDIC, the Father's Divine Insurance Company. Like, I wouldn't want to put my money in there. Jesus says, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy it all. Like, put it into a heavenly bank account because there's kingdom ministry that needs to happen. Lives need to be changed. Man, I just want to see California change. It's going to cost money. I, I want to see the school system change. It's cost money. You want to see the school system change? Let's start with the campus club. You want to see the community change? I walk with our uh, task force right here in Tirasana as they share with me the things that are happening right in our community that you would not even believe. And they say, you know, as we're talking and we're walking and seeing what's going into our schools and seeing the drugs that are coming to our schools, the language coming into our schools, uh, Marcus, we would love to have more people patrolling, but we simply can't afford it. It's going to cost money. I can't wait for the day, and I believe it's going to come when we say, we'll cover it. We'll cover it. Well, no, it's, it's going to cost hundreds of thousands. Yep, we got it. You just let me know how much. I can't wait for that day. Because I don't want to store up treasures on earth. Because I can't take it with me. But if kingdom ministry desires a kingdom priority, let's run all after it. Many of us are waiting to have this security in our finances. When God is saying, I'm the one who provides for you. As Paul said, he who's able to provide all that you need. All of your needs. 
because of his riches. So what do I do when he provides? You have to steward. Stewardship is revealing our heart. It shows us what we value. Jesus goes on to say where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. If you have any type of stock, uh, you start to follow that company. You have Tesla stock, you follow Tesla. You have Bitcoin, sorry. You know, whatever. Like, you follow it. You follow it. You follow wherever it goes. God says, put it in this heavenly resource. And I promise you, you can follow it because your heart is going to be there. And your heart follows what your eyes see. And you will see lives being changed. People transformed forever. And you'll be so glad that you did. That's the kind of family my wife and I want to be. That's the kind of man that I want to be. A generous person that sees that when I give to what God is doing through the local church, it goes through the local church to transform lives. And yes, God may do something with me through that. He may bless me. And when I say blessing, I don't want you to think he may bless you financially with more stuff. Because more stuff is not always a blessing. There's a great theologian. He said, more money, more problems. (laughs) What he blesses you with, blessing is simply this. It is the divine ability with a supernatural capacity to receive and experience the goodness, the joy, and the generosity of God in turn to give it away to other people. So when God tells Abraham that he's blessed to be a blessing, he's saying, I'm going to give you a unique capacity and ability to transform lives around you. So we talk about our tithe, which is 10% of our income. And you're like, well, is it gross or net? My prayer is we would never ask the question, how little can I give? Is it gross or net? I'm going to leave that to you. I know what I think, but I'm going to leave it to you. 10% of your income. And then there's offering, which you call Kingdom Builders Offerings, which is above and beyond that. So maybe you're saying, okay, well, I'm doing the tithe thing, but I don't know about going to this next step. What if we could get there? What if we get to tithes and offerings and we're able to see what God is doing through the local church and through you in your workplace? And, and when it comes to our tithe, it's, it's honoring God and renewing my mindset. Because I'm reminded that it all belongs to him. You know, it breaks my heart when you look at the bank activity and the bank statements of believers and non-believers, and economists are saying there is literally no difference. That shouldn't be the way. I look at these believers, and the way they give is unreal. It doesn't make sense. There's no way. I would love for you to go to your, to your tax preparer, and they would just say, how did you give this much money away? That doesn't, that's not adding up. And you go, I know, <laughs> it's wild, right? That'd be my prayer. And how do we do it? It's honor, renewing my mindset. Because scripture would say, Proverbs 3, 9, to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The first fruits. Like, the first thing. If you're wondering what the tithe is, it's the first one that goes into your hand. That's what we give to God. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of, your, of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with wine. Scripture would go on in Genesis and Exodus and in Leviticus that when you are asked, when a kid asks you, your kid says, Dad, Mom, why do you give so much? Why do you even do that? That you'd be able to tell them, son, daughter, um, you know, I, I know you're my child, but you think that dad has always been like this. I wasn't. Um, God stepped into my life and changed me forever. And so the reason we give our first potato, 
to God is because I'm reminded that it came from him in the first place. And I get to see what God does because I give him one and I get to keep nine. And the one onion that I give away, remember the first leaving the hand, many of us are trying to tithe to SDG&E and you're wondering why you're not being blessed. <laughs> SDG&E can't bless you. I've tried. <laughs> They're not blessing me. Um, you know, you get your one mango. So son, we tithe. We give it to God because it all came from him. Because if I didn't have it, if I didn't have anything to give, I, I don't know what I would do. Because I need to not try to live off of everything. I need to let me live off of 90. And give the little eggplant to God. And you'll watch what begins to happen. Because look at God's table and look at our table. And we're like, God, I just don't have enough. I can't let go of this one orange. He said, you have nine more. 90 with God's blessing goes a lot farther than 100 without it. I've seen it in my own life. You say, well, okay, just this one apple. I've, I've said this before, but within an apple are many seeds, and many seeds produce many different trees. So you give one to God, and watch what happens as you see the fruit. And as I said, if you're wondering, hey, I just want to know where the giving is going, I would love to have that conversation with you, and I can tell you story after story when you give this one pineapple, and it changes so many lives. And it's overflowing over here. It's because God is continually blessing and he's going to give you the ability to steward. Look, there's more and more. Look at this one over here. I'm going to help you out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you get some honeydew that you can't. No. He's, he's much bigger than you, buddy. He's much stronger than you. There you go. Uh, you give your honeydew over to God. Right? And, and look, look at our table. This is the only place in scripture that God says, test me in this. And I will open up heaven and I will pour out more than you could ever handle. And we're like, that's just, okay, more money and more stuff? No. He will give you a great wisdom to understand how to steward the 90. Where you might get to a point to say, God, I'm going to give you 10. I'm going to start saving 10. And I'm going to live off 80. God, I'm going to give you 10. I'm going to give you 10 more out of Kingdom Builders offerings. I'm going to save 10. And I'm going to live off 70. And watch what he does as he gives, the, gives you the wisdom. The first one that leaves our hand is the tithe. So as we do this with God, our vats begin to overflow. You're wondering, how am I supposed to look at what God has given me and not think, God, you've you got to deserve more than that. We say, God, if I could just have a little more He's saying, you have enough. Marcus, you have enough. Just place it in the right place. <laughs> Look, it's, it's falling off the table. And then you're thinking, well, you know, I don't, have, I don't have too much to give. That's why the woman who dropped the amazing oil on Jesus' feet, which was a year's wage, 300 denarii, and the woman who brought two mites, which is a half of a Roman penny, we're both thanked and praised the same. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And Margaret says, this is all I have right now. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And knowing that it all belongs to God. A tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 50. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. 
Could you press the next slide for me? He owns it all. If I see it all belongs to him, the best part about this verse is that you belong to him too. You belong to God. Why would I ever think for one moment that he wouldn't take care of his kids? I want to end today as we experience communion because the gift is that God gave first. For God so loved the world that he gave, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. If you need uh, a cup, if you just lift your hand, I want to take this together because this is our moment to receive what God has given to us. And I've heard it said, if you look at Christ long enough, you'll become more generous. Be generous long enough and you'll become more like Christ. I want to look like Christ. When I walk into a room, I don't want people to think, oh, he's going to ask me for something. I want people to think, man, if there's anything I know about Marcus, is that he loves people and he's generous. My prayer is that would be for you too. So Jesus, walk to the cross knowing our need, knowing what we would need, knowing the pain and the difficulty we had been walking in. And he says, I'll go to the cross for you. I'll give my life, I'll breathe my last for you. And even on the cross, as his body is beaten and bruised, he looks around and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He still gives. Well, he can barely breathe because that's the God he is. My prayer is that would be us as well. So if you have the bread, I want to pray for us. God, let us be reminded that you gave first. God, that we don't give because you need it. We give because others need to hear the love that you have for them. And we've received this great grace and we respond in great generosity. So God, we thank you for the gift of your son. Let's take the bread together. In the cup, which represents the blood that was shed on the cross. Jesus' arms outstretched, giving his all so that we could receive and have life. So that in turn, prayerfully, we would be generous. God, I thank you for the cup that you would give your son to us. Lord, to think that your son, your first would be sacrificed essentially as a tithe. That Jesus would be your tithe. That you give your first and your best to us. God, I can hardly even wrap my mind around it that you would love us enough to give your son. But God, we don't take it lightly. So let us receive and then respond because we love you enough to give and be generous as you are. We thank you, Jesus. Let's take the cup together. Let's pray that we'd be a generous, generous people. That maybe one day someone would write a letter about you. The letter to Newbreak. I thank my God every time I remember you for your partnership in the gospel that others may be saved. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us. That you remind us how much we've been given. How much you've supplied for us. God, that 90% with your blessing goes farther than 100. 
God, that all of us are in this room with different, different jobs, different incomes, different bank accounts, different everything. But Lord God, you're saying it's not about the money, it's about the heart. So Lord, teach us how to give you our hearts. That's what we desire. God, we need you. We love you. Teach us to be generous. Remind us, if we look at you long enough, we become more generous. If we're generous long enough, we become to look like you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand because he's generous and he loves us tremendously.